If you're part of the whale team, would you come? Would you come on up and join me today? <laughs> the one that stands the closest to me gets the microphone first. Letton said he ain't scared of nobody. Here you go, Letton. Letton was Letton and Wes were real unique because um, you guys were going back to a place somewhat similar, pretty close to where you were you were last year. And so, Letton, how was it going back to 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 that area? It was a little bit different, a little bit different, wasn't it? Yes, it was definitely. Uh, I mean, it was 23 miles, I think, away from the last site and. The, the community it was almost like you're in a different country. Um, yeah, it was last year. You guys could sort of walk and go get a like a, a soda pop or something. There was a little store. Yeah. We and were probably 45, 30, 45 minutes down a dirt road going up into the mountains to get where we were at. And then you cross a little river and next thing there's a couple hundred people there. And, you know, the church was a center. And the thing that the people that impressed me so much was they have so little, but they're so happy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we look at our culture, and uh, it's always about things and material. And all these people have is love, and it's, it's, just, it's just written everywhere. And, you know, you can't speak, you can't talk to them, but, you know, I guess love's just a universal language. And if, you know, you just, you didn't even have to say anything. It's almost like they just knew what you, you started working, they'd help you. If you did something, there'd be, I mean, it was just. It was neat. It was really cool. <clears throat> and I know this because I know how hard of a worker you are. I know how big of a part you played. And it's hard work putting that well in. And uh, we're very thankful. Who's the woman with the blue hair that's, uh, hey, Dina. See if you can hold that microphone up. This is, this is very unique. She decided she's going to go to Philadelphia. Uh, hey, Dina, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I can barely hear you. You can barely hear me. I'll move just a little bit closer. Uh, how, was your, how was your trip to... Uh, it was a good trip? It was a fantastic trip. Um, definitely life-changing. And I would probably rate it up there with the birth of my two girls. Wow. Hmm. What was really significant for you? What was the really significant? Because it seems like there are those moments that we have when we're on a trip like this. Was there that moment of significance that you go, God is speaking to me? Very easily. It was easy for us to slip into our regular world when we went back to the compound where we stayed because we had running water at times, and we would have selected nights of internet, and we would get into our own conversations. Um, there was a specific morning where we were playing music, and we were listening to um, Lord Bless Our Soul, and um, just good mornings, really good mornings, and we would listen to music on the way to the village. And one specific morning, we were driving through, um, through the city, getting ready to hit those dirt roads and there was a, a funeral procession and we didn't we didn't know it was a funeral procession until we came upon it and as we came up there was four gentlemen carrying a very small casket uh it was gray it glistened in the sun it was a granite casket and we realized it was a child and so easily 
do we slip into our regular world? And, um, and that just turns around and reminded us over and over and over again as to why we're there. And uh, I know myself, I fell out. I was just crying all over the place. And uh, it was a really, really great moment. You're just an emotional wreck, right? Just an emotional wreck. <laughs> I have been. For those of you who know me, I have been. Even now I'm back. <laughs> but uh, it's a good emotional wreck. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, let me talk to some of the other guys. Steve, you're about to pass that microphone on down to Steve. Steve was a team leader. And uh, Steve and I have known each other for a long time. And this, wasn't, this isn't Steve's first rodeo. I mean, you've been all over the place doing ministry. And uh, Steve, how was this any different? I know you've, you've talked an awful lot about the gelling of the team. Uh, how was it leading this team of people? Well, I was telling in the first service, uh, I've been doing short-term mission trips uh, since 1997. And um, I've been on quite a few teams and, and had the opportunity to lead teams. But one thing I found interesting is how God put this team together and how that we didn't really know each other very well and, and we started this process and then you really don't know how well you know somebody till you get to spend some time with them in close quarters and whatnot so even aside of that God just worked all of that out and this team came together and it you know for me it was a joy to me to be able to lead the team sit back when we were on uh, on the work ground watch them interact with the community and see their faces and, uh, you know, certainly God worked in my life, and I think for, for me, it was a, that closeness, getting, you know, uh, helping me retain that closeness to him. And uh, the team did great, and they really gelled together, and, and so that was what was big for me. Steve, we've been working with Living Water now for a while, and they've just got a great organization. And it's not just about building the well, and they'll tell you that up front, um, but it's about going sharing Christ's love, building the well. But we just don't leave the well. When we build a well, there's ongoing things that are happening there. I mean, this isn't just build a well and we leave it and it's done with. There's discipleship. There's, there's community programming that happens, follow-up. What did you think about Rita and about Living Water after your association with them? Well, like I said, in doing short-term missions, it was probably one of the best organized uh, organizations that I've been affiliated with and had the opportunity to work alongside of. And uh, that, that really impressed me from the time we stepped off the airplane, got through customs. Uh, Rita Howe is the, was the director for our trip and she was there waving to us, come on, come on. And, and their people helped us get in the van. I mean, just the whole thing. And then every day they had it, you didn't have to worry about what you were gonna do or, or you know, it, it was very, very organized. And I would just encourage you that we're, we're going to go again. The church is, is going to continue to have these. So if you feel God's leading you and calling you to, to take one of these trips, certainly sign up. God will provide the way, and uh, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, as most any of us, if you got us off, we could tell you, you know, several God stories about how the money came in and, and whatnot. He will provide a way. Yeah. Jeff, um, Jeff's been in, in Haiti, and I don't know if you've been any other places, but I know you've done a lot of work in Haiti, and you and your dad and your brother had a chance to go. Um, and Jeff's the one that did the video, by the way. Wasn't that pretty good? Yeah. 
Jeff, anything that you want to say, because I know that you've done a lot of work in Haiti, how did this sort of compare? Were there any differences? Were there some similarities? How did that work out for you? Well, as Steve said, the team, the team was just great. Um, being around them, um, being able to share stuff with them, them sharing stuff with you, uh, it, was, it was an amazing time there. Um, but as far as the way it compared, I mean, I think Haiti, I think Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere or something like that. And Haiti, I think, is one of the first ones. So um, it's, it's a lot of the same scenery. It's a lot of stuff that you see there, you see in Haiti as well. But, um, and I'm, I think Dad's going to share more about this too, but just being able to provide the well. Um, we were there, uh, first of all, to share the gospel, to be um, an example of God's love, but uh, to provide them with this well that, you know, they, they walked, uh, you know, about a mile down to the river to, to get water. And I don't know if you saw in the video, but uh, it, it wasn't very clean water. So, um, and I know you want to share about that, but there was also another story there that, that I'm sure. Hey. Chris, won't you share that with us? It was good having your boys with you, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. It, it, was, a, it was a great time of bonding with the boys um, and with the team. You know, just everybody was great. Guess I don't have to tell them this 39 seconds in. Uh, the, the couple that you see on the screen, the first day we were there, we did a walk around the village. Uh, the people were a little, little nervous. I think they were kind of shy that first day. <laughs> they got over it real quick. But the, uh, the couple that you see right there, they, they, they came out, they introduced us to the family and the four-month-old daughter that you see there. As we finished talking to them, we asked them if they had any siblings. And they kind of looked at us and they said, yes, we did have a six-year-old daughter. However, she passed. And we kind of going, that's kind of bad. But as we start, as we kind of wrap that up, we kind of turned to her and asked her again, what did she pass of? What, what did she die of? And she came back and said it was a bacterial infection from drinking the water. So at that point, I think the whole team felt, let's, let's stop this, let's go get to work, let's dig this well. Hmm. And um, it was, you know, just to compare that to on Thursday, we did another walk around where the people there, they wanted, they invited us in, they wanted to show us they, they wanted to share with us. I mean, they, it, it was just a total different community from the time that we started to the time that we ended. Hmm. That's really good. Sandy, you went to Nicaragua last year and spent some time with us on a medical team up in the mountains of Ladalla, the rehab center. Um, how was this different? Um, uh, Sandy is the one that she sort of goes with the flow and Sandy makes things happen. We always like Sandy on a team. Oh, really? Sandy doesn't really do an awful good job at following directions. She just makes her own path. That's why, I have no hair. Yeah. That's why Steve said he don't have any hair. She worked it out of him. But, uh, but We're Sandy, not allowed to tell all the tales. I know. But you had a great time. This is totally different. This is the exact question he asked me as soon as he got with us Saturday morning. And so it hit me, and I said, the children. You know, everybody. And I was sharing with Marty uh, a few minutes ago that that was my first reaction to children you know we had the girls said that we they had had the most amount of children or people attending the hygiene classes and things that we had taught but 
what came to my mind after I talked to Sid and had a couple days to really think about it, it was really where God has appropriated me to connect with the women. Hmm. And my, I, I feel like I still am in touch with the children, but maybe my ministry's changing a little, you know. And there was one woman that would show up, and she'd help real quick, and then she'd leave. And she was young, and she, it was the eye connect. The con thing that you do is to connect with the eyes. And every day she'd look at me like, what do you want me to do? She never said a word. Hmm. She'd just kick in. And um, it was just, <sighs> last year was we sat in a class, you know, we really, we listened to the girls, and there was a different class going on, but we interacted more on this one than we did before, don't hmm. you? Well, you didn't go in the last one, but we interacted, and it was really interesting because we, we had an interpreter, but we did our own interpretations. They got it, so it didn't matter. And, um, but laughing, the laughter, <laughs> the Espanol was really poquito. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but the love, there was one thing that I felt there, too, was because we had time to do this, and because it was in a village, they weren't in a, there because they had to be like we did at the rehab, was the love that the families had. Girls held girls' hands. Wives, wives it was a, mostly a lot of men were gone because they were, doing, um, uh, they were doing work outside the town. They were doing migrant working, and so they leave the women at home, so it left the women. But I had a, Hannah take a picture of me. Um, last year I got the uh, name Grandma. Well, no, two years ago I got the nickname Grandma. And so she took a picture of me. I don't have it with me. But was, there was uh, this elderly lady. She was in her late 80s, about this tall. Yeah, Julia. Which and is very unusual in Nicaragua because there's not a lot of older people because of the war. Many of them lost their lives. And she stated that we asked her why didn't she live with her children, which it's not a very big village, so it's not a big deal if they lived with each other. She said she didn't want to be a burden. And you know, we all take that on to ourselves as we get older that we don't want to be burdens to our children. But that is really, whoever you have to take care of in your family or your friends, that is a blessing that no one should miss out on. Hmm. Josh, um, <clears throat> this is your first trip. And yeah. I know that you depended a lot on other people to help provide support for you to be able to go because coming up with $1,900, $2,000 is pretty difficult. And you guys as a church and as individuals are very gracious, very generous. And that's how many of them had an opportunity to go was through your generosity and through, you know, the, the hair place where, where, um, where Dina works. Man, they raised a couple of thousand dollars in, in a few hours one afternoon saying, hey, we want to open our store on a Sunday afternoon and we want to use all the, all the money that comes in. Isn't that unbelievable that somebody would do that within the community? But Josh, you had a chance to go. It was your first, it was your first, first trip what was the most memorable thing for you? Wow. He didn't ask me this. When, um, he didn't ask me this. So this is all. <laughs> um, most memorable uh, had to be the whole trip. Uh, there's no one thing that I can think of that was the most memorable. Um, just being with the team and getting to know the team and working so well together. Um, I think one of my neatest things was when Hannah had bubbles and I couldn't even count how many kids she had around them. She couldn't get enough bubbles out. And, and it was awesome. It was the neatest 
thing, I, I was blown away. Like bubbles, like blowing like, bubbles. Like bubbles, and, like, like and the, the little, kids, are running little kids bubbles, you know, something. that, you know, you dip them in a the little bucket. And, yeah, just regular old bubbles. Huh. And, you know, it was neat because it, I had never seen that before because with the kids here, it's bubbles. With those, it was like, it was just, there wasn't enough bubble. It was awesome. Uh, that I think was the most memorable, and from one of the most memorable things. Um, Spiritually, what did God do in your life? Wow, <laughs> he did ask me that, and I have thought about this. Um, patience and compassion has a compassion, especially. Um, I've always been the person that okay, we need to pray for somebody. Cool, somebody has passed away. I understand, but seeing. The, the little girl and hearing that story and then being in the van and the vans, we're all giddy, we're all okay, we're all talking, we're all having a really good time and then to see that casket and to see how fast everybody just was in a hush and everybody's mood just kind of changed into that compassionate, you know, we didn't even know that child, but it was a child <laughs> and to that that to me is the biggest thing because my compassion is definitely not where it needs to be. And I think through this trip, that was definitely mm. the catalyst to be more mm. compassionate towards things that happen. That's good. Hannah and, and Wes went, um, Wes went last year. <laughs> Hannah had a chance. She said, listen, you ain't going back without me. That's right. <laughs> so she just packed up and, and uh, there, were, there were a lot of things that happened right before you left that was like going, God, are you trying to tell us not to go? I mean, changes in job, things going on within family, all kinds of stuff. Are you glad you went? Most definitely. We are. We are. Yeah, the week leading up to it, um, Sunday morning I came in tears before we left because we had found some news about Wes's father, that he was going to be having some surgery, some um, significant health issues. And I had been sick, and then there was just several things like the washer went out, the dryer went out, the freezer went out, everything went out <laughs> at one time. And um, I looked at Sydney that Sunday morning and I told him what was going on. He goes, uh, you didn't expect this. And um, however, I know when you are meant to be somewhere or you are doing something for the kingdom of God, that is when Satan attacks you the strongest. Hmm. And um, it was a moment where we were just like, okay, we're going to push through it because this is where God really truly wants us and um i loved being able to go and serve um with wes it was fun it was a fun dynamic we laughed and told everybody we weren't married on the trip we were just you know we we got nicknamed the the um what was their names the howls the th thurston and lovey how were the thurston. yes we were thurston we were on gilligan's island and um we told him we weren't married but um it was really cool to tell the people in the village that we were married they thought that was just really cool that um, the dynamics. But um, Hannah directs beyond back. the walls here, um, which is the food uh, part of of heritage. And and um, did you find you find hungry people, needy people wherever you go, don't you, Hannah? Mm -hmm. What did you learn there that you feel like help will help you here as you direct? Um. The direction that we've been really trying to focus on at Beyond the Walls was uh, more of a relational um, aspect of it, less about the food and the groceries and more about the relationship, to getting to know the, 
the neighbors that we serve, to know their stories, to know their lives, to know what their true needs are, to develop that relationship so they know that somebody cares. And what I took away from this trip was the moment, the time that we had to be able to develop those relationships with the people in Nicaragua that were in the village. Like we, we were able to sit down and just love on them and be and develop those relationships. We not, might not know their names, but we just were able to love them in taking the time to correlate it with what we do over there is taking the time, slowing down, blowing bubbles, jumping rope, doing those things, just stopping for a moment and taking the time to develop the relationship and not being in such a whirlwind all the time that we forget to slow down and do those things. Hmm. Wes, how was it you with, for you with your wife being able to go this year and, and experience what you experienced? How, to, how, how was that um, this year? It was different. I had to stay on my P's and Q's. That's right. <laughs> Just kidding. No goofing around. Mama's well, in know, town. Wes is going to be Wes no matter if Hannah's there or not. Yeah. So that, that don't bother me. But I was glad for her to enjoy it. Last year, it's all I could talk about all the time. She goes, I don't know what you feel. And I was glad for her to come and see it. Yeah. I mean, I really was. As a, as a husband and wife, and we've talked about one day the whole family. We can yeah. find some, I want the whole family to see it. Yeah, you want them to experience it yes. because we are so blessed here yes. and we take so much for granted. And when you come back, you're like going, you know, it's sort of like, okay, you know, and, and then all of a sudden we just sort of get back into the flow of things yeah. again. Fall back into a rut. But you want them, I want my kids, Meredith's been there, she's experienced it, but we've talked about it as a family. I want my kids to experience what it's like to do without. Um, I want my kids to see so that they develop, Josh, the compassion heart for people um matt what about you your first trip um no no buddy you don't get out of that no. yeah um anything matt that you want to say because it was a i know that you were a big part of this team as well uh, i don't know where to begin like i like i said in the last service just just to just to go there and and uh, i was a little apprehensive at first and it was just uh, i'm a pretty I'm pretty uh, bashful person, and it's uh, uh, all good. But uh, give me another year. Um, anyways, so uh, you know, going there and not being able to communicate with them uh, at all because I don't speak Spanish. But but uh, after the second day, and then the third, and then the fourth, uh, I just don't want to leave, and because uh, uh, it's just to, just to. You get bombarded with so many different things of what we take for granted and how they just go, you know, they wake up, they do what they need to do, and they go home and enjoy themselves on their dirt floors and their 10 by 15 home and, and, and go to bed and do it all over again without clean water. And, and uh, you know, I don't know, I'm, you know, not to harp on it, but just, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's life-altering for sure for me, definitely. Yeah. This is a part of a process for us. This isn't a, an event. This is part of who we are as a church. It's part of who we are because it's what we've been commanded to do, to go and to share Christ's love. We build water wells and have the opportunity to bring clean water because we don't want, we're just, just not just about bringing clean water, but it's about telling them about the real, true um, one who brings life, life-giving water, Jesus himself. And so um, thank you guys for, for all that you've done, for your prayers, for, the, for your support. Um, 
and we already are, are signed up to go back. We're, we're focusing in this region. You know, they tell us that we've got an opportunity to put some 300 wells within this area. And, and that's sort of where we're there. I mean, I've told Rita, we want to stay within that area. One day, our kids will go to school and they'll say, what'd you do this summer? Well, can I tell you about a, an area by the name of Rebus? And let me tell you about the, the story that, that Chris Bell came back and shared about this person and my family had an opportunity to participate. And now there's a little girl there by the name of Annie. And Annie, and you know what I'm saying? And that I'm investing and in, we're investing in their lives. Um, but if you want to go on a trip, um, you know, you're going to have an opportunity this next year, October. We'll talk more about it in January um, as, we, as we start looking ahead. But we may take two trips next year as, as the Lord provides. Um, but thank you guys for the sacrifice. Letting you want to say something else? I just wanted, I just, so everybody get the perspective, you know. The, I was talking to one of the guys the last day, and the average weekly salary for these people is 3 to $5 a week. And like the highest paying job is being like a police or a security guard. They work 15, 20, they're on 24, off 24, 15, 24 hour shifts for $600 a month. So just to put a little perspective of, you know, that $4 cup of coffee we buy is more than those people make in a whole week. So. Yeah, and I think we raised close to $2,000 with the, with the exchange, yeah, that took place. Um, thank you guys, and uh, appreciate it, and may God continue to bless you. And awareness leads to generosity, and now as you go, Matt, go out, may you be God's ambassadors for Nicaragua as we share the story of, uh, of clean water and how we can help. Here's another video as we talk, just to just, just make a transition. I want to introduce you to Dr. Marty Schnell. Marty, um, Marty and I um, were on the trip to go and seek out and find the, the Mayama, Mayama people. Um, it uh, was really neat because in the process of, of this, this whole thing of working with the International Mission Board, um, we, we, we we got into this by, by coming and hearing that the Mayama people living up in the jungles in the northern Nicaragua on the border were basically an unreached people group, an, un, an unengaged people group. The Moravians had been there years ago. Um, and matter of fact, you even saw a Moravian church house that was there. But just because there's a church house that somebody comes and builds doesn't necessarily mean it's being used. Are you, you with me? We, matter of fact, you've seen this and you're now seeing this in America where there are church houses that are now barren that used to be flourishing. Um, but our, we were sort of given the task of saying, what can, you, what can you learn, what can you discover about the Mayama people? And so it was real exciting because one of the things that I first learned was, was that there was a heavy, heavy, we were told there was a heavy concentration of what they call leishmaniasis, which is mountain leprosy. Marty's expertise is in the area of wound care and has done a lot of work in uh, Haiti, uh, tell them a little bit about your about your ministry in Haiti and and uh, and just what you guys do there, and then we'll talk a little bit about. Okay. It. I love your. This is this is great. I, I hose myself down. To, I hose myself down to give you the full Nicaraguan experience. <laughs> we, it rained about seventy percent of the time oh, there, and we were wet and cold the whole time up oh, in the mountains. I know what a rainforest is. So uh, yeah, it's rainy season. 
Yeah, I started going to Haiti in 1988 when I was a medical intern, and man, I really thought I was something and was going to do something, and you know, God had other plans. He just fractured and shattered my soul and reduced me to my knees and has been putting me back together again ever since. I continued to go back every year for a couple years till 1995 when my former wife and a nurse and a pastor started Dunamis Medical Missions, which is a nonprofit organization that takes medical teams to Haiti. We go to very rural areas where there's uh, no access to health care. And while we take the medicine very seriously, we understand it's just a vehicle. And our clinics are really booby traps just to love on people. And that's why, you know, we encourage non-medical people to go. We, we provide an opportunity to people, for people to minister in a very intimate way mm. to people who are really, really hurting and in a world of darkness. Um, and I started the first comprehensive leprosy clinic in Haiti, and Sid knew about that, and that's why he invited me on the trip. God had other plans for both of us. But well, he t yeah. here, here, comes, here comes Marty. We, I mean, he, he's got enough mm -hmm. to, to take care of an army, and, uh, and he brings all this medicines along. And, and here we're thinking we're going to be dealing with leishmaniasis as a way of of sort of integrating and figuring some things out and we'll have an opportunity to treat and begin building some relationships only to get there to find out that leishmaniasis was something that they had but not as much as we thought that they had uh, and Marty's got this huge satchel of medicines bottles of medicines and stuff that he's brought with him um, but we stayed as you saw it took us to tell you where it's at to sort of give you some perspective it took us two days by vehicle to get to the river Two days, all day long. Um, when we were on the river at Wee Willie, it took us 12 hours by boat to get from where we were to where we needed to get to. 12 hours. Every once in a while, the only time we stopped without raise my hand and go, Banos. <laughs> so we'd stop, get out, go to the bathroom, load back up because he knew exactly, the boat owner, the boat driver knew exactly how long it was going to take us from get from point A to point to point B, and we ended up in St. Andreas, which is a mesquite village, an, Indian, an indigenous tribe of people, and that became our center of headquarters. Thank the Lord the Assembly of God had already been there and built that little place that you saw. They don't have a pastor there, but that was, that was our covering for the few days that we were there. That was our center of headquarters. That became where we ate, that became where we slept, and that became where we met. Um, and so... There were some really unique things about in St. Andreas because we had to go from St. Andreas, then we had to go up the Bakai River to find the Mayama people, uh, to locate them in the village of Amak. But while we were there, there were some very interesting things that we learned that was just heartbreaking. Um, there was, did you, there was some, you see the blue and white building, there was some guards outside. That's, a, that's what the government built as a, as a school. That was a school with a little girl sitting out that was just beat up and tore up. Um, but they also had clinics. There was a clinic there. Um, but as, as Marty did some investigations, what was it that you found out? Well, they, they have a clinic, and they have a well-trained nurse in each clinic in each village. Um, which I would say functions at the level of a medical intern, you know, a young physician, but they just have no supplies and no equipment. In fact, it's abysmal. Guy didn't even have a scope to look in someone's ears. Um, and as a result, there's a lot of morbidity and mortality, disease and death. 
Um, you know, one of the biggest things, of course, Sid is going to talk about the water. They have a water problem. Uh, as you saw in the pictures, and the pictures really understated, animals cohabitate with humans. And there's human waste, I mean, there's animal waste everywhere, everywhere. And when it rains, you can't tell it from the mud. You notice the houses had big pools of water under them. That's where mosquitoes breed, malaria, dengue fever, typhoid, and cholera. And there was a dengue uh, outbreak in the Miami village right before we got there. I think six children died last month of hemorrhagic dengue, and that's a, a very treatable disease. I had it, I survived, I wished I was dead, but they shouldn't have died. And in the other village, nine children died of pneumonia the month before, mostly small children. And as you know, I told the, the group this morning, you know, in a village of 1,500, that would be like if two children in our congregation die every month. Instead of having baby dedications, we'd be having funerals. I mean, it's tragic, it's horrible, and it's, it's needless. Snake bites. They kept saying yellow beard. Well, they weren't saying, they were saying, land. and I said, what are they talking about? They kept saying, you know, watch out, watch out, watch out, yellow beard. And I guess, well, there was. They could tell us the numbers of people that were dying because of the snake bite. It was a fertile ants that that the ones that I'm used to seeing and hearing about that you see on National Geographic are like this long, but this one, these snakes are like 10 foot long and have like three inch fangs. They're huge, huge. And Marty tells a story in talking, with, there, was a, there were two of them had been bit. Mm -hmm. What happened, Marty? Yeah, there were, well, they're losing one to two people a month, usually young men. And um, that there were two in one village, and they do get some antivenom. It's very treatable. They, they get some antivenom from the government, but not near enough. And they had two men uh, get bit, both farmers, both young men, both with families. And they had enough antivenom to treat one. And, you know, the village elders had to decide who's going to live and who's going to die. They said, you know, help us. We don't want to have to make that decision anymore. And that, that's terrible. It's a horrible decision for anyone to have to make. And that's what these people live with every day, every day. Well, we, we had, we had, that was our headquarters with San Andreas. Um, we had to come back and go down the Bacai River uh, into the forest, more into the forest, because we were in Jurassic Park. That's just the reality of it. I'm just going to tell you like it is. We were in Jurassic Park, but we had to go back down the boat. Had to change boats because the boat, the Piru that we were in, which was a cut tree, Okay, a cut tree that had been a piece of metal that was that was put inside with two with two by twos stacked up and then a two by four on top. We had to get a bigger boat. It was probably about this wide, and um, had to get a bigger tree to go up the river because of the rapids, class three, class four rapids getting up uh, at this time of the year. Um, but we, it took us about two hours to get to the Mayama village of Amok. Uh, there you could tell that there had been some integration with people coming in in the past, but they did not like us being there. One of the reasons is because in the past, if you saw some of the pictures, some of the children looked a little bit different. Some of the children had green eyes because of molestation and rape to the women. Um, so there was an interview process that we had to go through with the people, the leaders, the elders of that tribe. And so we met in this room, this area, and we didn't smoke a peace pipe, but we had to drink coffee. So we had, they brought us coffee and we had to sort of pass around a cup, drink coffee and sit and talk. And there was a time of questioning from them to us as well as from us to them. Um, very skeptical um, of, of those from the outside coming in because they want their culture to remain the same. The children 
didn't know Spanish. The adult elders did so that they could communicate, but they wanted their children to remain. There's five different dialects within the Mayama people. There's somewhere between, we've been told estimates, six to 8,000. When I questioned the, one of the elders there, he said there's somewhere close to 24,000 elders. And then I think he said 27 villages along that river. Um, but it was a very interesting. Marty was the greatest thing because of his being able to communicate about medicine because that's a great need. And he was able, we, we had promised him the next day that we would come back. Well, when you promise by somebody something, you better come back. So we went back the next day when they told us that we, may not have, we, wouldn't, we didn't have enough gas. We said, well, there ain't no option. You guys got to find something. We're out here in the middle of the forest. You better come up with some gas because we've got to go back. We don't have another option. Um, and so, so we went back, ran out of gas on the way back. Thankfully, we, was going, we were going back down the river, so we just drifted. Um, but Marty was able to take a lot of the resources that he gave to be able to give to the doctors and sit, not only give that, but some of his own resources that he had brought some of his tools, uh, his personal tools that he had had for years and years because they just didn't have anything. Um, in your communication with the nurse that was there, um, what did they say about, about the, your generosity? Because I wasn't involved in that conversation. What, what happened in that exchange? Uh, they said thank you. <laughs> I, I don't focus on my generosity. I focus on their poverty you know, in, in every way, spiritual, medical, mental. You know, my generosity isn't the issue because I have no generosity. In my own way, I'm lower than the animals that eat the excrement of insects. That's how I look at myself. Anything I am, I am in Christ Jesus. Any generosity, it's his generosity. Any love, it's his love. Anything good and worthy that comes out of my life, that's his spirit in me. So he gets the credit. I can't take any credit. Well, <clears throat> I know that. <laughs> I know that as we that as we were apart and as we interacted between these two villages, having the opportunity to meet with the elders of the the Mayama people as well as the elders of the of the, the Mesquite people back at at, at San Andreas, um, it gave us a it it helped us better understand. Even though we don't know the language, mm -hmm. we still know his language and right, that's love right and one of the things that we want to do which we know that our water well living water knife we've, we've begun some communications of what it would be like to put a well in that area you saw a, a makeshift well that somebody had put in at one time but it's never been maintained and it's broke so that you know where people are getting their water from they're getting their water from the river that's where the animals go to the bathroom that's where the people go to the bathroom that's where they bathe they shower etc etc um, but we sort of got in our minds, our whole goal wasn't to save the world. Our whole goal was to look and listen. That's the only reason we went, was to look and listen. North American Mission Board, they said, this is what we know. When we went, everything they told us was completely different. We know now. We know the names and the faces of the leaders in those tribes, and we're going to go back. But our, it's going to be a long process, a long process of bringing hope to this people. It's going to take years to develop a relationship. But can you imagine what it would be like to one day for our kids to be able to know some of their kids? And maybe even, isn't that neat that one day God would give us the opportunity to be able to cultivate a relationship to the point that we'd be able to share hope beyond water, beyond medicine, beyond hospitalization and education. But God would use those things as a tool for us to be able to reach a culture of people that has been living the same way for 3 
thousand years. Three thousand years. Marty, anything? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about that trip specifically before we finish up? Yeah, there is something I'd really like to say. You asked a lot of the other team members how, who had been on missions mm -hmm. how this trip was different. And so I want to address that. You know, obviously the civilization was very different for me. And, you know, I wrote home from Managua to my friends that it's one thing to travel around the world and see other civilizations. It's another thing to live with them, work with them, and minister to them. And I say that to encourage all of you. It's different. And I know it's made a difference in my life. Um, the second thing was a tough trip. That was different than anything I've ever been on. But by and large, far and away, no preservatives added. The thing that I will remember most, what is most special to me, and that I will never forget, is getting to travel with you, Rabbi. That was the highlight of my trip, beyond anything. And you know, I had to have a lot of, uh, I had a lot of respect and admiration for you when I went, because I had to, to get on that plane, knowing where we were going and not knowing anything about it. But what I appreciated and came to learn is that you are who you say you are. And you walk the walk and you talk the talk. And the same with Brian and Robin, who are my home group leaders. And that, that was an encouragement to me. Hmm. Um, because I, th I think the kingdom message you're preaching is in the minority. I don't think there's a lot of people preaching that. But I want to be in the minority because I'm not enamored with the record of the church over the last hundred years. I think we need to do something different. I think we need to step out. And um, because of that, because of that message, I think you're an extraordinary pastor. I think we're an extraordinary church. And I think if we continue to walk in what you're telling us, we have the potential to let God work through us in extraordinary ways and really change the world. And then the last thing I'd just like to say is I really came to love you like a brother. And I'm not talking about Philos or Philadelphia love. I love everybody that way. I'm talking about agape. I love you unconditionally, and I would lay down my life for you. Mm. And, <laughs> and, and when I say brother, I don't mean brother in Christ. I love you like a biologic brother, mm. and I honor you. I honor you as my pastor. Thanks, man. Thank you, bud. Thank you. You know, uh, the, the, the storybook's still being written, and it's neat to be able to come and about sharing these stories of these adventures that we've all been on. But you know, the reality is, is that as a part of God's kingdom, we don't go on a mission trip we're to live on mission daily that's our that's our responsibility to be able to live on mission daily that if that if if jesus came to establish his earthly kingdom that if if we are his ambassadors then we represent him see when jesus was teaching them how to pray what did he say our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Not my will, not my plan, not my agenda, not my thoughts, not what I want. It's not about, okay, it's not about establishing my retirement account. It's not about, it's not about uh, the, becoming independently financially wealthy. It's not moving to the villages and enjoying life. 
But if we're his children, somewhere along the line, there has to be an exchange. An exchange for my will, for his will, for my plan, for his plan, for his agenda, uh, my agenda, for his agenda, my will, for his will. And that is, if he is the king of the kingdom, then somewhere along the line, as we make that exchange, it's not just about being saved from our sins. That's not what it is. But we've been saved to participate as his ambassadors to go into the world and to teach and to baptize and to disciple all nations, not just to build a church, a building, but to be the church. A kingdom perspective is, is changed just a little bit because what it is, it's, it's less of me and more of him. That's what it is. A kingdom perspective is less of me. And we can't be corporately who we need to be if we aren't practicing that individually. We talked about core values being those things that are important to us. And we said when we started out, here are some things that are really important to us. And as we finish this, this series on core values, we're saying to you that corporately we believe that God's called us to have a kingdom perspective. That in God's kingdom, it's not about a castle, but in God's kingdom, there's a cross. A cross that Jesus would give his life for us. His blood would be shed and he would become the sacrifice for our sins. And in that same way, there's a cross, and that cross represents to us a sacrifice of our lives, laying aside my will for his will, my thoughts for his thoughts. Amen. That's huge. See, if we really were who we said we were, and we were about the kingdom business instead of our own business, can you imagine what work could be done? Can you imagine the number of people that could be reached if we were to lay aside, put aside that which we said and to be who we said we were. How many of us are not living as ambassadors, but we're living as imposters? We're enjoying church on Sunday. But I would have to say this. Jesus didn't die so that we could build beautiful buildings, so that we could sing a few songs. Would somebody come up and read a few verses to us, and we'd go home and live life the rest of the week doing what we want to do. What is it that's most important to you? Think about that for a second. What is it that you value the most? What is it that you hold on to that you don't want anybody else to have that you, that you value? I read a story this past week. Guy, guy had, had heard a sermon. He went home and he said, that can't be true. That can't be true. I know that God would not want me to do this. He sat down and he talked to his wife. One of the things that they valued the most was a 14,000-acre ranch that they had out in Wyoming. And he said God spoke to him very clearly. That's what you value the most. You call yourself a believer, but that's what you value the most. And he said him and his wife made a commitment. That was what they valued the most. And if that was what they valued the most above God, they needed to be able to give that away, which they said that they valued the most. They put it up for sale. They put it up for sale. It was called Moriah Ranch. It wasn't on Moriah that Abraham went up to sacrifice his son. Moriah Ranch. It sold. Said the family wasn't too happy with them because they said, God may have spoke to you, but he didn't speak to us. <laughs> but he said, oh, what we've learned as a family since that time, since sacrificing that which we valued above God, to say, God, we don't want anything to stand in that way. A kingdom perspective 
it's going to cost us something. What did Jesus say as he was teaching in, in the Sermon on the Mount? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth which moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven which moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where are you investing your time? Where are you investing your resources? Where are you investing those things that God has given you? Are you using those things? Are you using those things to reach the unsaved? Are you using those resources to plant seeds of faith so that others who don't know Christ can come to know Christ? See, the question behind kingdom perspective is this. Am I advancing God's kingdom today? Because if we're going to evaluate, we're going to say that kingdom perspective is important. How do we evaluate whether or not we're living that out? The question that we evaluate is this. Is what I'm doing today, is it advancing the kingdom? Because if we're a part of God's kingdom, we're his children. If he's the king, if I'm going to be about the king's business, I need to be advancing his kingdom. And to understand that he's given us the ability to be part of it. Isn't that awesome? That our purpose in life, that about finishing strong, how am I living? Am I being a light? Am I advancing the kingdom? See, the disciples, this is, this is neat. The disciples had the baton of faith. And you know what they did? They passed that baton of faith on to the next generation who passed that baton of faith in their faithfulness on to the next generation through their obedience, who passed that on to the next generation, down the line, down the line, down the line, down the line, and now here we sit as Heritage Community Church in 2013, given the same responsibility to transfer and to translate and to pass on the baton of faith to the next generation. And the question is, what legacy will we leave? Well, the legacy that we leave, will it be? We had 500 in church last Sunday. No. We did X amount of Christmas shows and Christmas programs. No. You should have seen the sanctuary on Christmas. It was beautiful. No. I want to take everything out because it's easy to get caught up in that which is temporary and insignificant and bypass that which is significant and eternal. Kingdom perspective. Amen. A kingdom perspective. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we talk about putting in wells and we, we go on these grand trips and it looks so exciting and it is, but at the, at the base and the foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, beyond the walls, uh, Operation Bless Wildwood, or things that we do, to, and they feel good a lot of times. But what those are, Father, is nothing more than door-opening opportunities for us to be able to share Christ's love. Our salvation isn't in those things, but it's in what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And may we be reminded of that. We don't have to work our way into heaven. Jesus has already done it. We just have to receive it. My prayer is as a church is corporately that we would, we would see with a better eyesight what it's like to live and value with a, with a kingdom perspective. That as a corporately, Father, that, that we um, wasn't, wouldn't just corporately try to do it, but individually in our homes, that would be what represents our lives, those of us that call ourselves ambassadors for Christ. 
that when we walk out these doors, we wouldn't leave, just, just leave it, leave it here, and we'd go out the doors just looking forward to coming back the next week. But God, we would take your gospel into all the places that we are, and we would understand that we have a responsibility to live inside of a kingdom perspective. How are we today using the resources to advance your kingdom? How will we as a church use the resources that you've blessed us with to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom? There's a challenge that's in there for every one of us, Lord, and so would you hear us today? I would have to say that there's probably something that's itching inside of us as the Holy Spirit is speaking about those things that need to be put away, those things that need to be set aside as we make that exchange of the old for the new, for our kingdom and our plans and our ways, for your ways, your kingdom, your plans and your agenda. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, that's what I ask. And Lord, there may be somebody here, we're talking about God's kingdom, and there may be a person here that doesn't know you. They don't know what it's like to, to understand what Jesus did on the cross and the price that was paid and why people would go so far to share the gospel. If there's somebody like that, Lord, even this morning, would you prick their hearts and would they even come to me today and say, would you tell me more? Would you tell me more? Because I don't understand, but I truly, truly desire to know. Father, I thank you that this is a church that you planted six and a half years ago. This is not about a personality. This isn't about anything else. This is something that you did that is so extraordinary that we don't understand. And as Marty said, we're at the low of the low. But God, it's what an unbelievable encouragement it is to walk as we've walked and to see you do the things that you've done. May we continue to see the greatness of who you are as we, as we celebrate the things of God and live from a kingdom perspective. Remind us this week as we go out, think kingdom perspective. How is this advancing the gospel? How is this advancing God's kingdom? How am I living this out? Thank you, Father. And I pray that as we leave this place, it'll be on our mind as well. What legacy of faith will I leave? When all is said and done, what words will be spoke over me as I take my last breath? It's not about making our name famous, but it's about making your name famous. May we do that in the time that we have left on this, on this earth. Thank you, Father. And Father, we're so thankful for all your blessings. Thank you for a people that are generous. Thank you for a people that are benevolent. May you bless them abundantly because of the resources. They understand that you are in control, that you are the giver of all. Multiply that in Jesus' name.